authority that he has given us. For me, I see leadership as a privilege to serve. I see leadership as a privilege to serve. And believe you me, if you serve and you serve diligently, the Lord also blesses your efforts. So when I see people running away from the opportunity to serve, I always ask myself, do they really know what they are running away from? Yes, leadership has its own challenges. I mean, sometimes we all feel we are inadequate. We all feel we do not measure up to the standard. But you see, every great leader, especially when we look at leaders in scripture, you see that all those who did their work and brought it to an expected end had a very close relationship with God. So let us know that it is not you who has called yourself, it is God who has called you. And once you get to that point of understanding that He is the one who has called me and I have not called myself so, I will lay everything on his altar, you are able to succeed. But when you want to do the work of God in your own way, with your own strength, you will never be able to make it. So this morning we are being told to look at watchfulness, the tool for effective leadership in ministry. Watchfulness, the tool for effective leadership. Let me also say the same thing, watchfulness, the truth for effective leadership. Because it is my prayer that the things we are going to learn today will be things that will guide you in every position you find yourself in, even after you left school. How we get it? Some of the things we learned when we were in school, when we were in YPG, those are the things that have served as guides for us, for us to be here today. So we are going to look at this topic. I've been given one hour in which to talk. Um, I will going to have questions and answers. I will going to have a question time. Okay. So I'll do my best to work within time. Beloved, there are four key words in the topic that we have been given. Watchfulness, tool, effective, and leadership. When we talk of watchfulness, it says it's a process of paying close and continuous attention. So when you are being watchful, it means you are paying close and continuous attention to something. There are several definitions, but this is what I think fits our discussions this morning. The second one, tool. A tool is basically a device used to carry out a particular function. Anything that can help you execute 
an objective can be termed as a tool. When we look at the word effective, it basically means being successful in, produ in producing a desired or intended result. So my objective is to leave school for the first class. Once I'm able to achieve that, I can be said to have rewards effective academically. My objective is to make sure that every Sunday morning before service begins, every chair, every table, every instrument is thoroughly wired and prepared for service. Once I'm able to achieve that every Sunday, it means I'm being what? Effective. How do you get it? So, when you are successful in producing a desired or an intended result, it means you are being what? You are being effective. And lastly, leadership. For me, I have a very simple definition for leadership. And that is the ability to influence. Ability to influence. Listen, go to heaven and come. Look at all the leadership definitions. You realize that everything is talking about influence. The ability to what? Influence. So that means that we are looking at the fact that we are going to be continuously conscious as leaders or as people of influence, we are going to be continuously conscious in carrying out a particular desire such that we get what? An intended result. How do we get it? Or say that we become successful in what we intend to get. Today I'm going to be slow, or I'm not going to be the normal act of coming that you know. So, these are the key things, the main words in our topic. Being watchful, or watchfulness as a tool for effective leadership. Beloved, one of the poorest things you can come across, and it's very saddening, is being someone being put in the position of leadership and the person not being effective. When I, when I come across people like that, my heart aches. Because for me, as I said, leadership is an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to influence. I hope you get it. So as you are here, as you are being called to various offices within the union, Wherever you are, whichever position you find yourself in, if only you will pay close attention to it and do the things that are a part of you before you are done, you realize that you have been a person of influence for the people that you are leading. If your leadership is not to influence, then it's better not to lead at all. You can either influence positively or what? Negative. I hope you get it. You can either influence positively or negatively. I remember a couple of years ago, my, my, my first born, she's very influential. In fact, when I realized she's very influential, I started paying particular attention to her. If she's in the midst of either people a little bit older than her or even younger than her, she can easily get them to do things the way she wants. Easily. So there was a time when we had come to church, we had closed, but 
I think there was a meeting I was supposed to sit in, an emergency session meeting. And she and some other kids were playing around. I heard one of the parents say, Hey, Braha, who could be my big age? I'm not going to go to address, I'm not going to go address. Because she was running all over the place and the kids were following her. If she climbs, they are climbing. If she drops, they are dropping. And this, I mean, yes, is natural of kids to want to dream. But I realized that she has, it comes naturally. She just tells them to do it and they are what? They are doing it. So my attention got drawn to it. Then I got to realize that she needs to be molded in such a way that her influence can be what? Can be positive. I hope you get it. So we can all influence. But are we influencing positively? Or we are influencing negatively? And that is what we need to be watchful of. We have been given two passages to look at. And that's Luke 20, uh, 12, sorry, 42 to 49. And Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Matthew 26, 36 to 46, Luke 12, 42 to 49. Before I read the Luke 12, 42 to 49, I want to read from 35. Luke 12, 35 says that stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. I take it again. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. 36. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake. When he, come, he comes, truly, I say to you, he will dress himself to service, for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Let us jump to verse 42. He says, Then the Lord said, Whom then is a faithful and wise manager? whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. I want to leave it there. I take the 43 again. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So, from the two passages that I have read, the first one is talking about being prepared, being conscious, being watchful, being awake. Why? Because these are servants whom their house owner or their master has given a responsibility to. And he's given them, told them, I'm going out, I'll come back. 
But as to the exact time, probably he might have given them a time. Oh, for the wedding, probably I'll be, I'll be in by 9 p.m. So it means that any time after 9 or before 9, let's say an hour or two, within plus or minus one, let me put it that way, they should expect their, their, their master to come. If you are a servant and you are being given this room to operate, there is a possibility that you can fool around, do whatever you want to do. When the time is getting close for your master to come, you prepare, such that by the time the master comes, he is not going to see that anything has what has gone wrong. I hope you get it. Because the master is going out and he has told you he is going to come at a particular time. But what if the master who is going out is coming at a time when you don't know? I hope you get it. These are two different scenarios. One, you know the time that your master comes. And if your master is the time, is the time that keeps to time, you know very well that within a certain uh, uh, time frame, your master should be around. It's like when we're growing up or when you are kids and you know that your parents go to work and they come after five and school has vacated and you are home alone. You know you can go around, play, do whatever you want to do. When you look at the time and it's around 4, 4.30, you rush home. By the time your parents come home, it's as if you've not gone anywhere. So if anybody comes to tell your parents that, hey, I saw your kid here, my parents, your parents will be like, no, 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 no. They are always in the house. But if you have parents who can drop home at any time and they tell you that don't do this or do this, that and that, you are always conscious of making sure that that thing is done because they can come home at any time. How do you get it? Here is the case we find ourselves in the second scenario whereby we have been given responsibilities as leaders. Listen, your responsibility as a Nubji leader will expire in a year. For those of you who get the opportunity, some may continue for another year or even, even possible, uh, possibly for two more years, so like three years or so. But ideally, you will serve for a year. You can sit here and decide that with me, within this year, I'll do whatever I can after one year, after all my year. Or for me, what can one year do? I cannot really achieve anything much in one year, so they've given the position to me. I'm not really going to pull my weight. You can decide that, but believe you me, whatever responsibility that you have been given, God is expecting you to be accountable for that position, for that responsibility. So if, let's say, God is coming today, and for, this one goes to especially those of us who have been in office for the previous academic year, you ask yourself, in that year, after that time, what is it that I have done? Say that when the master comes, as we read in the verse 36, the master will be happy with me. I hope you get it. For those of us who are taking the mantle now, or who have just taken the mantle, yes, you might still have time. But believe you me, there is accountability waiting for you. So don't be like the servant who thinks that. So when you read uh, from verse 45, 
Let me read from 44. It says, But truly I say to you, you will set him over all his 45. But if that servant says to himself, My master is, de is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. So, whether your master will come at a time you know or at a time you don't know, there is accountability for the responsibility that has been given you. I want us to lay that emphasis first and foremost. So, knowing that there is accountability, what do you do? Because, you see, from what I just read, it is only a servant who is not watchful who is going to put him or herself in this kind of situation. Because you think that there is time. You think that you can do whatever you want to do. You think that you can mess around. Oh, you still have time to, 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 to put things in place. Believe you me. Rebecca said, Rebecca also raptured. I hope you get it. We are leaders. That's why today I'm taking my time. I'm going slow. So once you know you have taken the responsibility and now you know that there is accountability for that responsibility that you have taken. The question we should ask ourselves is, what is it that we can do in order to be watchful? Because as a patron, I have my responsibility to the union. That is on one side. As a father, I have a responsibility to my kids. Another side. As a husband, I have a responsibility to my wife. I hope you get it. As a caretaker, I have a responsibility to my congregation. And all these put aside, I have a personal responsibility to myself as well. So what do we need to do in order that whichever responsibility or leadership position that we have taken, we can be watchful in it? Because beloved, listen, if we go into scripture, Normally, we want to use people like Samson as an example. If Samson had become watchful, he wouldn't have gotten his eyes plugged out. How do you get it? If David had become watchful, he, would have, he wouldn't have gone to sleep with Bathsheba for all that happened to, what, to happen. If Solomon, even the wisest man on earth, had become watchful, he wouldn't have gotten married to the, the, the 700 women and the 300 concubines. And at the end of the day, they end up turning his heart away from you, from God. It means that watchfulness is something that we cannot do without. Hmm? Look, listen. Um, was it on? No, I think yesterday in the afternoon, I happened to have left my radio on. Joy at Joy FM. So after their midday news, Otaba was preaching. And he was, I think this year, their theme is fruitfulness. And he was talking about leaders, especially Ghanaian leaders, and how they feel. Businessmen and how they feel. And he made mention of the fact that over the period, it is difficult to get a Ghanaian businessman who has stayed successfully in business for more than 20 years. 
He says, it's like predictably you know that once this person has started, this is going to be the outcome. He says, they almost always turn immoral. Almost any beloved, it is true. Opa, for when share, guardian terrain, politicians, but when the just elections, elections just ended, there was an issue with I think one MP. Is it in the is it in the Pono region or so? And people were give, giving reasons as to why he lost. One of the reasons was that when he became an MP, I think he had just a wife or two, he's a Muslim. And when he became an MP, instead of concentrating on his job, he ended up marrying more. So that alone pissed the people off and they voted against him. Yes, for Muslims, they can marry more than one and all that. But there are some of them. There's this MP that died, the one who was shot dead by armed robbers and so I stand to be corrected, but it was after his death that it even came out that he had a second wife. And a whole lot of issues. So you realize that we live in a community where when they get to a certain level, I mean, being immoral becomes acceptable. I am coming from a family where my grandfather was polygamous. In fact, as of the time he died, I think he had five wives. And 30, is it 37 or 39 children? So you can imagine. Some of my cousins, I've never even met them. I've never even, even some of my aunties and my, my uncles, I don't even know them. I have heard some, some by name, but as to meeting them personally, I've never met them. And it was, it is normal. There is a guy who some years back used to work for my father as a driver. Even in his young age, as of the time, over, over 15 years ago, as of the time, driver came. No, I won't make level with different women. So he came to realize that if you are not watchful, you open yourself up for a whole lot of things. So the first thing we need to do in order to stay watchful is to have a relationship with God. That's the first thing we need to do. Your relationship with God. Listen, relationship with God cannot be built for you. I hope you get it. I have a relationship with Elna. Kelvin didn't build that relationship for us. I hope you get it. I have a relationship with Kelvin. Elna didn't build that. So whatever relationship you are in, you realize that you build the relationship yourself. So as you sit here, do you have a relationship with God? What kind of relationship is it that you have with God? Is it the ATM kind of relationship? 
that you only go when you need money. And once you don't need money, the ATM is off bounds to you. Is that that time? Or it is a father and son, father and daughter relationship where every day, every morning, every moment, you are in constant talks with your father. You see, sometimes we think that there are other people who are doing far better than us because they are more gifted. Listen, they are not more gifted than you are. If you take somebody who is super talented and somebody who is disciplined, give them a few months, a few years, the one who is disciplined in doing what he wants to do will surpass the person who is super talented. Why? Because the person is disciplined. I mean, the person has a relationship with whatever he or she is what is doing and is ready and willing to make sure that good results come out. In Ghana, haven't we seen brilliant footballers who didn't get anywhere? But we have seen footballers who with consistency have made it. So what is your relationship with God? That's the most important thing. That relationship with God. I think about two weeks or so ago, I was talking to, no, last weekend, I think last weekend, I was talking to a young lady who is in a relationship with having issues here and there. In fact, the gentleman she's in the relationship with was the person who spoke to me first. Along the line, um, the lady says she also wants to talk to me. They are in a relationship for whatever reason. The lady says she can't go on. They should call it off. The guy is having issues. He called me. I told initially I wanted to meet the two of them, but I realized that no, he is the one who has got his problem. So let me work on him. So I was working on him. Then for whatever reason, because what he was doing is affecting the lady, the lady also turns around that. She's also, she's, she doesn't see what is going on, she's suffering, she wants me to help her. When I was talking to her, I realized that she's doing everything out of her emotions. So I asked her, do you know God? What is the relationship you have with God? When God speaks to you, how do you hear? The following day, I was there when the person who linked the gentleman to me called. And the person was like, the gentleman called her asking, ah, Nipana Wadenamayeno, is he a professional counselor? When the lady asked me the question, I was said that I knew when it was coming. Because when the girlfriend or the ex-girlfriend called, what she wanted is not what I was looking at. I hope you get it. Because I realized that she has no relationship with God. So even if she's taking steps that would take her to her doom, she doesn't know. So for me, my concentration is, listen, let us work on that aspect of you having a better relationship with God so that all these things may, may probably fall in place or fall apart so that you can move on with your life. And she doesn't want that. So she's questioning whether I'm a professional counselor or I am not. And I gave the gentleman an assignment, which I should, he should have gotten back to me, I think on Monday or Wednesday. And he hasn't gotten back to me. So I will not be surprised the lady has gone to pollute his mind. I pray for them that if it should be it's your relationship because most of us don't have a relationship with god we take decisions anyhow we do things anyhow and we move forward and there is so much of a mess in our lives so much it comes to relationship a lot of us are taking decisions based on how we feel when the lady spoke to me 
I was like, what is the difference between loving someone and being in love? A whole lot of theories. Some of you, I don't, I don't feel I love him. I wish. Listen, love. <laughs> let me say, love is not a feeling. For those of you who think you need to feel you love, you love somebody before you. Love is not a feeling. That's, that's not part of our agenda. So the first thing is intimate relationship with God. The second thing is to be able to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we are looking at watchfulness. And the, what are the, remember our definition says the process of paying close attention. So we are in the process of having a close relationship with God. And once you have a, a close relationship with God, you are able to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I hope you get it. Because when you have that relationship and he tells you to do something, you are ready and willing. But when you don't have the relationship and he's even speaking, you don't even hear him. The next thing is that in order to be watchful, so after building that relationship, after listening to the Holy Spirit, you get to the point where you execute the things that the Holy Spirit leads you to do. If you have these three things, you are always watchful. Because listen, as a leader, before you even do your things, you have consulted God, God has told you what to do. So that alone gives you the focus. Anything that seems or that would want to distract you, you don't pay attention to it because you are listening to God's voice. I hope you get it. You are listening to God's voice. That is the problem a lot of us are having as leaders because should I listen to God or I should listen to people? If I listen to people, yes, people will heal me. But if I listen to God, the members will run away. So what do I do? Listen, you will be in great error if you decide to listen to men. The reason why a lot of people have failed in their, in their agenda as Christian leaders is because they have always sought to listen to people and not to God. And not to God. It is said that the voice of the people is the voice of God. Who said? Those people, what kind of relationship do they have with God? Yes, it is possible that sometimes the majority can speak the mind of God. But that is not all the time. I mean, we have examples in scripture when the people of Israel left Egypt and they were going to the promised land. That it got to a time out of the, the, uh, uh, um, 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 disobedience and all that. God had to what, kill so many people. So why, why would you say that the voice of the people is the voice of God? So what the people say will do it. Sometimes, let me be honest with you, sometimes that's the problem I have with our church. Because something that you know the Lord has laid on your heart, you have to go and discuss it with session. And somebody who is as carnal as the word carnal, sits there and begins to punch holes in whatever you have brought on board, and before you realize, it dies flat. So you see, our ministers and our leaders always adopting the position of lobbying. So that they act by the but they lobby their way through to get whatever they want to get. Which to me I think is not the best. 
Because if we all are spirit-filled and, 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 and we are being led by the Holy Spirit, by the time the Lord speaks to me about something, possibly two or three people on my leadership team would have had a similar mindset. Do you get it? So if I bring it on board, oh yes, I think it. So before you realize, we have. But if we have to lobby before we get people to agree with us, I wonder if lobbying will take us to heaven. I wonder if we can lobby Jesus to get to heaven. I hope you get it. So you are being watchful. Yes. But being watchful alone is not enough. You need certain attributes in order to be effective as a leader. I hope you get it. When it mm, I am a young lady. I have taken upon myself to be a praise and worship leader. I am not going to meddle in anything of the world. But is that enough? So let us look at some of the... In fact, I have about 18 points on things that can make you make you an effective leader. Am I going through all of them rapidly? I wouldn't have time to go. If I'm talking about each one of them, we wouldn't live today. So, if you want to be an effective leader, first and foremost, you should have a vision and you should be able to share your vision with your people that you are leaders. So, anytime they go for um, SRC elections and all that, they expect you to come and share your vision with the people. The reason being that that vision that you carry, the people that you want to lead should be able to what? To buy into that vision. So as a leader, be it at the Bible study level, choir level, whichever level, you should have a vision. You should be able to share the vision with your people so that they can what? They can buy into the vision. There are, there are some people who, obviously, be stumbling blocks to your vision, no matter what. Hey, if you lobby them, if, uh, you can even build them a house. Once they say they will oppose you, they will what? They will oppose you. So one thing, one of the things that will make you effective, because in our definition, we've got to realize that being effective is being successful in producing what? A desired or intended result. So if you don't have the end in sight, which is your vision, how do you get there? The next one is to lead by example, leadership by example. Yes, you don't tell people to, 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 to go to church or be, be, be at church on time and you come late because you think you are better than them. No, they will all be, they, they be late. So you have to lead by example. You have to be someone of integrity if you want to be effective. Listen, if, you, if we take you the you in Nuzi, is it the same you in YPG at home? Is it the same you in your house? Is it the same you in your department? You should be a person of integrity. Because if you are not a person of integrity, how can people trust you and work with you? You should be somebody who communicates effectively. Listen, one of the reasons why a lot of leaders have failed is because they have failed to communicate and communicate effectively. Effective communication. There are people who have, have become dictators. Once you don't agree with them, you are their enemies. You see, being in the Presbyterian church has taught me something. 
Let me be very honest. I can get you to do the things that I want you to do without you realizing that I am subtly dictating to you. Because I have seen the system. So if I want to play around the system, I can play around the system. If I want to go head on with the system, I can go head on. So when I am convinced God wants to make a move, I present it to session. But I know how I can talk to my people to get us to do the things that we want to do. Sometimes it doesn't need to go through session. No. It's not lobbying. Uh-uh. It's not lobbying. I'll get you, to, and get you to the point where you see what I see so that we can all be on the same page. A leader should be decisive in decision making. Oh, those of us who are afraid of taking decisions. So what would the people say about this thing? I remember last year when we had our end of year harvest. Those of you who came to the place uh, where we flowed, or because year flow no. When we were done with our harvest, we had around 30,000. My place is small, so the moment we finished with the harvest, I called the architect and I asked him, Charlie, if we want to flow this whole thing at a goal, looking at the budget you have presented, estimates you have made, it is not possible. But it is possible we can do two-thirds of it with the money that we have. So I had a discussion with the architect. He saw the point I was coming from. So he also called his artisans to know if, and they said, yes, we can do it. I called the Reverend Minister. I told him, Papa, this thing we need to continue. He says, yeah, Pamela, we have to continue. So I gave him what the discussions I've had with the architect and how far we can move with that. He said, we should go ahead. I called my senior presbyter. We should go ahead. So we started buying the materials. You see, when it got to a point where our active accounts, the money that was in their accounts, if we take 10,000 out of the active account, we're going to be left with only 900 Ghana cities for a whole congregation. So either my minister will sign for us to go for that amount, you will say that but he saw the wisdom in that he signed the check when we went for the money we were left with 900 Ghana cities a leader has to be decided, decisive in decision because listen it gets to a time where you have to what sacrifice So, the moment we, we, we were done with the project, the, we did it on Saturday, I think exactly four weeks today. The moment we were done with it, the following Sunday, I came to church and presented step by step all the money that has gone into the project. And even though the church agreed that we use 30,000, we take the harvest money to the project, we have spent over 52,000 on the project. Meaning, say, 
Sikanafi de yawia madumpini kwa yaye de yaye. Ona yedia madumpina kana kwa yaye ari dumpina kana. A leader has to be decisive in decision making. If you are not going to be strong in taking decisions, listen, your people will do those they are with you. There are times everybody wants you to do something. You, you sense them within your spirit that it is not the right move. You have to stand your ground. There are times there is something that needs to be done. Everybody doesn't see the way forward. You need to stand your ground and bring the people to that level. When I was YPG president, our YPG here had never traveled and slept over. It had never happened. So our first discussion when I was YPG, I proposed to my executive, can we go to Takradi and spend three days? We'll go on Friday and come on Sunday. Hey! And I'm that type. When I put an idea before you, I'll give you the details. I'll allow you to talk so that I see where you are coming from. No, they talk, they talk, they talk. And I said, oh, okay, fine. I chipped in one more idea as to how we can make it. The voices started coming down. I chipped in the second one. So by the time I was done with giving them about three points, they were all silent. The last one was, let's write a letter to session for sponsorship. One lady got up. E, session, the letter come home saying, ah, you do say, you see, I'm from concession. Your boy, I'm for concession. The session will not listen. I just looked at her quietly and asked her, is it the ink that we are putting on paper to present to session that is your problem or what? We are only writing a letter to session. As to the debate, they will have a session to either agree or disagree. That shouldn't be your headache. Let's write a letter to session. If they agree, fine. If they don't, fine. I think that was in 2005 or 2006. At, that, at the time, our budget was 1,002. That time, 12 million. You brought the letter to session. My current minister with me at Aprade, he was the minister in charge. We brought the letter to session. They had a debate. I was there when the senior, I called the senior presbyter, senior. Your letter and I was saying, I see you. Session ain't me in Farmer Canina, so we have given you half of the budget, 600 Ghana. So I told my executives, Session is giving us 600 Ghana, so we need to go. Some were in favor, some were not in favor. But I stood my ground. We got a committee to organize the discussion for us. We went to Takrade, um, um, Kakum, those areas. We went to sleep at Pedu, Cape Coast, Pedu. That's where we went for service on Sunday and all that. We went with two um, members, the current catkist here, and one woman. At the time, he was a session member, so they accompanied us. And when they came back, the kind of reports they brought to session. I was there when my senior presbyter called me and he congratulated me and said, in fact, the kind of reports they have had from the session delegation, they've never had such a reports like that. So from that time, you realize that it opened the YPG up. People wanted to come. Because as we went for a discussion, I wasn't monitoring anybody. Everybody was minding his own business. But I told them here before we left that if you go and you mess up, when we come, I'll give you up. That alone is a check on you. So when it comes to being a, 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 a leader, you have to be decisive 
in your decision making. Leaders empower others, effective leaders, they empower others. Because if you are not there, the work should continue. That is what Christ did. When Christ came, he had 12 disciples whom he empowered. There were 10, they were 70, there were 10, they were 120. When he was leaving, he told them exactly the things that he needed to do, and he gave them the Holy Spirit, and he left. Or he left, and the Holy Spirit came. And at the end of the day, the work what? Continued. For three years, he trained and empowered them. And God bless the current leadership for making sure that you are being trained and you are being empowered. I hope you get it. A good, an effective leader empowers. An effective leader will motivate and inspire you. You see, there are people, if you don't inspire them, they won't go anywhere. They will sit where they are. They are comfortable. But with your words of inspiration and motivation, they will take that step into the unknown and be able to achieve great things. An effective leader will recognize success wherever. So when he has given the people the opportunity to express themselves and they have been able to express themselves and they have been successful, you see that leader recognizing that success that they are bringing out. He doesn't push their success away. He doesn't claim their success for himself or for herself. There are leaders like that. When you have done something and instead of uh, acknowledging your success, he rather takes the glory for him or herself. It doesn't. So when you do that, all the people will begin to drop from you. Because they realize that when they put in the effort, you rather want to take the glory for yourself and not compliment them. You will be accountable, as I've already said. An effective leader is accountable. An effective leader is creative and innovative. You are not the stereotype type. Hmm? Oh dear. Yeah, they say, yeah. An effective leader is creative and innovative. An effective leader has empathy. When they see there is something going wrong, they will make that extra effort to want to know what is going on and see how best they can help. An effective leader is resilient. He or she is not moved by what is said or what is done. No. I, I, I like what our former president said, even though it is not, uh, let me put it, at the time, it was not in the proper context, excuse me to say that. As you know, you're going through. You get it. Sometimes a leader has to be like that. You are not, you don't care what people say. There are some of us, as I started saying, the worst of people, you are always listening, so you're, you're, you, you always want to please people. If you are such a leader, you will never succeed. Believe me, you will never succeed. Because if I please Elna, it means that I am giving her room to dictate to me how I should do things. I hope you get it. So if you are a leader, like if Calvin is the president and all the time, he's succumbing to something that even not a, a core executive is saying, let's say a wing executive or some other executive is saying, because he wants to look good in the eyes of the people. You will fail. You will fail. I remember when I went to Accra, I told them that me, 
I'm not here to listen to you. I'm here to listen to God. What God tells me is what I'm going to do. So if you think you're going to influence me with your words, with your thoughts, forget it. It won't work. I am not saying that I am the only person who listens to God. But even when you tell me something, believe you me, I'll sit down, pray about it, think through it before I take a step. Because I don't want to be like that young prophet whom God sent and the older prophet changed things and he met his untimely death. I don't want to be like that. A leader has to be emotionally intelligent. And those of us who are emotional, the big kids will be an also. If you are not emotionally intelligent, believe you me, people will always, they will always give you a halak. So learn to disconnect yourself from your emotions as a leader. Yes, you should be empathetic and all that, but listen, when it comes to your responsibility, learn to disconnect yourself. The day we're having, we're flowing our, our current level. Ideally, they say we work, I think, 100 bags of cement. The concrete machine works 100 bags of cement. By the time we're done with the 100 bags of cement, we're not complete with what we had come in to do. We're left with about 30 bags or so more to go. So what do we do? Do we postpone it? Because I saw tiredness in the face of the people. I could have said, oh, my brother, my brother. I looked at him and said, hey, who are you coming? Yeah, yeah, the cow, machine, this. I was tired myself, but I needed to psych myself and psych them. Before we, were, we, we, we realized, they were done with what was left. But ideally, so one church member was like, hey, Papa, and then they mock up by day, Papa. 136 bags of cement in a day. Normal con uh, uh, construction workers don't do that. But I needed to take myself out of the situation, look at where we are getting to, and whip everybody in line so that we could what? We could get there. A leader has to be transparent. A leader has to be transparent. A leader has to be humble. A leader should exude confidence. You have to be a listener if you want to be effective. And last but not the least, you need to show astute problem-solving abilities. If your people have problems and they bring it to you and you always have to go somewhere to get solution for it, they won't come to you again. But when they bring challenges and you are able to help them meet the challenges head on, they see how effective you are. So, once we have these qualities and we couple it to being watchful, believe you me, we can be successful. Yours, I didn't add one. A leader has to be disciplined. I didn't add that one. Because you see, my time is up. Hmm. Five minutes. Hey. I hear. Because you see, if you are being watchful, 
and you don't have these qualities, you cannot get to where you need to get to. But with these qualities, you see, it is not possible for you to have every one of these things that I've talked about. I hope you get it. Some of them you may have them. Some of them too, you may have to work on yourself to get there. I hope you get it. Um, so the things that we have talked about, if you realize you are not the type of leader who recognizes success, but always wants to take glory for yourself, it means you need to work on that. If you realize you are not a humble person, you need to work on that. If you realize you are not the decisive type, you need to work on that because it, 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 it goes against your being effective. It means you are not being observant, you are not being watchful. What do we gain when we become watchful? I've already said it, it keeps you focused. I have a set objective. So being watchful makes me focused on that objective. Such that it can what? It can see the light of day. It makes you alert. You can get somebody who is focused but not alert. Because all he or she thinks is about what? So the things that can distract him or her, he doesn't pay attention. So when those things come and they are distracting him, but you need to be focused and alert, such that when something is coming your way to distract you, you can what? You can put it away and what? And continue. You are a leader. You know you are supposed to finish something. And there is a lady who is always worrying you, a gentleman who is always worrying you. If you don't put that person aside, you can't get there. Lastly, Okay. Being watchful makes you disciplined. Being watchful makes you disciplined. I always tell the young ones who come around me that if it is not the grace to be watchful, I can easily mess around. You know, see, sometimes a young lady comes around you and the aura of lust you sense too much. Yes, you will meet beautiful young ladies too every day because of a human eye. How do you get it? Some will come to you innocently with their issues. There are some too who will come with an agenda. And if you are not careful, then you are, if you are not watchful, you will mess up. So when we look at our second passage, which I want to conclude with, Matthew 26, 36 to 46, it talks about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he went to pray. And he was complaining that the disciples couldn't keep watch with him for an hour. The lesson I want you to pick from that as a conclusion is that the burden on you is different from the burden next to you. So the pains you will go through in order to be able to be successful, the person sitting next to you will not go through a similar pain. Yes, you might wish or you would have wanted that, yes, 
they, 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 they understand you, they go with you, they get to the next level with you. But please, the disciples were not the ones going to carry the cross. So they didn't see the need to what? To pray. I hope you get it. It is Jesus who was going to carry the cross and he knew deep in his spirit the challenge that was ahead of him. So we are all having different burdens in respect to our calling, in respect to our responsibilities. Don't think that the person sitting next to you can go that extra mile with you. They have their own to carry. They can probably help you get to a certain point, but you have to carry the rest on your shoulder. I hope you get it. And once you stay watchful, you'll be able to carry it to the end. Because you are not interested in the things that can derail you. You are interested in the desired outcome that is ahead of you. Amen. Any question? Any question? Any question? Can we close? Any question? Scott, it's working. Somebody has a question on the back. Uh, please, if you have a question, can you walk forward so that? For Christ. My question is, how do you deal with uh, unresponsive uh, followers? Like, like, try to work with someone, but I just need to find unresponsive. Okay. And how? Mm-hmm. The person wants you to fail. Yes, like keep pulling you. Okay, okay. Thank you. The first question is, how do you deal with unresponsive followers? Is he never concentrate on those who are not responsive? Concentrate on the few that can be responsive. You get it. Because if you concentrate on those who are not responsive, you spend all your efforts on them they will not, still not see what you are trying to do. I hope you get it. But if you get, let's say you are a, a leader of about 50 people, and you have about 15 of them who have decided that no matter what, they'll be unresponsive. Why would you spend your energy on the 15? Maybe the 35 can be helped. Or in the vice versa, you have about 15 people who are very consistent and all that. Why won't you spend your energy on the 15 and help them get to the level that they need to get to? Because with them, they can bring in other people who are what? Who are responsive. I hope you get it. But if you concentrate on those who are not responsive, eventually you waste all your energy. And dealing with people who don't want you to succeed, 
Listen, ignore them. That's the best way. Ignore them. I have seen it in my ministry. There are people who just, that, who just don't want you to succeed. Where I am, I saw that. I decided that I will ignore the people. And I remember one of, the, one of the days I was telling them, listen, I am here to work for a period of time. If you want to work with me, fine. If you don't want to work with me, I am not going to force you. But I pray that by the time I am done and I am going, you will not be able to fit into the system. I hope you get it. Because if you are not ready and willing and you want to pull me down, I would rather get people who are ready and willing for us to move forward. You get it? And we'll leave you behind. So you can be a session member. I will leave you. You'll just be there. You could even be the minister himself if we decide. It, and it happened. Where in certain congregations, the church works and the minister is just a puppet. Because he doesn't want the church to progress. So if you meet, get such a, a, a minister, and the catechist is that dynamic type. Believe you me, you get the congregation moving with the catechist and leaving the leader, the, the, the minister behind. When you meet people who want to pull you down, just ignore them. Focus and get them. Because not everybody will be on the same page with you. Don't expect everybody to be on the same page with you. That will be a big error for you as a leader. Okay, the next person. Something our patron Reverend Dr. Kamidi Chianson shared with me some time ago. Is that some time ago when they moved him from Kumasi to Accra? I think he was in the time of one of the foundations there. There were some people who were just not ready to help him. Did you get it? Even though with this situation he was the one there. He says the only thing he did was to pray them out. I hope you get it. Is he, from where he's come, sometimes here, yeah, you are on a committee with someone. There are very good things that you can do. You can work, to, you, ideas you bring on board. But that person continuously pushes you aside or pushes your agenda somewhere. Is it sometimes it is because they might be insecure, thinking that when they do the things you are proposing, you are taking away their role as the leader. I hope you get it. Yes. Such people, be patient with them and submit to whatever because it is only for a period. Or, in other words, you pray them out such that at the end of the day, something will happen. Something will happen for them to either be replaced or get to the point where they need to get to in order to work with you. I hope you get it. Most times, prayer is the only key. Because there are some people, the way they are, you just don't go to them 
and Jojo with them. It doesn't work. You need to pray. You need to pray. So if you get a leader who is bossy and doesn't want to have anybody's idea, the only thing you can do for such a leader is to pray for that leader so that you all don't end up making the mistake that you are not supposed to. Okay. Next person. Scott. In a situation whereby you are dealing with one person, that is your responsibility. The person is not responsible. Give the person space and pray for the person. I do that a lot. When there is something I have seen, I speak to you one, two, I see, I'll give you space. And he probably not call you. I mean, just give you that space. You know, sometimes it is either they just don't get what you are trying to put across. Or, you get it. No, sometimes you who is meant to help someone, the devil can work in a way whereby the person even sees you as an obstacle to his or her growth. I hope you get it. Yesterday, for instance, one of my daughters did. She's in a relationship. I've been talking, telling her to keep the relationship under wraps. And she was all over social media with her pictures. Of, and I sent her a message that I have warned you about this thing. Stop publicizing yourself like that. She saw the message. She has not replied. And I've also kept quiet. I don't pray that something will happen. But should something happen, then I'll refer you. I hope you get it. So when somebody becomes unresponsive, just give the person space and pray for the person. Sometimes it's because we want to see results immediately. So we even end up being a pampem genie to, to the person. Do you get it? But when we give the person space and we pray for the person, the person will come around. The person will come around. Okay, next. Kodi again. Uh-huh. Oh, the rest, you don't have questions. Thank you very much. It happens. 
So how do you deal with that? This acquit stuff of the darkness is making us come back into the darkness of the darkness. And if I stay to your answer, okay. is he this thing that he just talk, um, asked happens to a lot of youth or a lot of young ones? You are in a quest of helping someone, and before you realize, emotions have gone up and something is developing. And this is the reason why a lot of people, a lot of you have heartaches. Because at the end of the day, you enter into relationships that you didn't plan for or that you were not ready for. Do you get it? And now you are at the T junction. And you see, especially with the guys, sometimes they can even find themselves locked between two ladies. Then Lord, Lord Kenya's song will come in. I hope you get it. But you see, I realized this along the line because I've gone through it myself. And I realized that if you don't put um, 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 limits on your interaction with the person, it is going to create such a scenario. I hope you get it. Because listen, when a young lady comes, I always say that I thank God I am married now. This is like my girlfriend's very, very thousand. No, because when somebody comes to you and the person sees that you have the heart to listen, you are the possibility of the person falling for you is very high. Because all along, they, have not, they are not getting anybody to listen to them. They are not getting anybody to be there for them. But you are always there. You are always listening. You are always encouraging them. They see in you a possible relationship material. And they are all, in fact, they are daydreaming about you and all that. Then, Musum come the so. What the two someone say? A say So set boundaries. You see, when you don't let them know, that's what I talked about emotional intelligence. When you don't let them know your boundaries, and they begin to show emotions, and you don't discipline yourself and discipline them, it is going to happen. I mean, sometimes some of them can become jealous for no reason. for no reason. I hope you get it. No, let me, let me be honest. Let me say this. The gentlemen who are here, do you, know the, do you know the number of ladies who are here and they have mugged you? Huh? You may not know. So it is possible. And let me also say that sometimes, even when you have put yourself in check, they will just not understand. But you see, even if, listen to me, even if it means, because Paul told Timothy to flee. So even if hmm, you have to break that relationship with them in order to help them and to help yourself. 
Don't hesitate to do that. It may be painful. It may be a bitter pill for somebody to, to swallow. But that is going to help the person. Hmm? Because if you don't take care, you before you realize, you have compromised yourself and you are doing things you don't want to do. Sometimes it can become friends with benefits. You are not in a relationship, but you are enjoying the benefits that relationship people enjoy. I hope you get it. So please, set your boundaries. So one of the things that really helps me the moment you come into my life as a young lady and I have to help you, my wife will know. If you are not comfortable with that, you can go. My wife has to know. Do you get it? Say that if you call me and I am on the phone and it's with Elna, my wife will not be suspicious of the fact that I know she's not that type, but she'll not be suspicious. Ah, you seem to be talking to somebody at. So, if I go home, oh. And then all my name is Kasai. All my wife, oh, look, she said that you know, Kasai about name and Maybe I enter, you might be hearing more of her. She's okay. And you, my, my wife will get to know you. So even if you have any agenda, I will catch you. I hope you get it. You need to set the boundaries. Other than that, some of you don't want to offend. Oh, please. Uh, it, it's not intentional. I'm not going to hurt you. Hurt the person and move on. No, because if you don't take care, somebody will pull you down. If you don't take care, somebody will drag you down the mat because they are emotionally insecure and all those things. So once you don't give them that attention, and the moment you commit yourself, so it will happen in a situation whereby you are in a relationship with someone and you are helping another person and that person is falling for you and is creating a problem for you in your relationship. So you choose. You choose the relationship or you choose that person. Which one will you sacrifice? Because we have to make sacrifices. Okay, I've been told my time is up. Uh, so if there is any question, you can either send it to me or you can call me so that we talk about it. That means that it will not be to the benefit of everybody here. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.